five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. That was the uh, one and only Alice Cooper elected. I hope I hope we have a uh, transmission and all that stuff. Let me see if we have chat today. Ah, chat is there. Man, we are rocking and rolling. We're live. Welcome to another edition of Fifteen Minutes of Flame. It is Tuesday, the 18th of April, and um hope everybody had a good weekend, even though clearly there was a, another day that happened after the weekend. It's called Monday. So this is really like my Monday, which is uh, always something to, uh, I just have to wrap my head around a little bit, right? It's like, oh, yeah, today's really Tuesday and not Monday. And so I've changed time just a little bit. Hey, Peachy, what are you doing? Peachy is very curious about the cat who is her tormentor. I think Peachy has um, maybe a moon Pluto square in her chart. Peachy likes the bad boys. Don't you, Peachy? You like the bad boys. Yes, you do. You like you like to get in trouble. How is everybody? How are we doing in this crazy, weird, fucked up, strange world that we're living in? Every day seems to be an adventure in uh, sanity and focus and the quest for higher meaning in a world that has been uh, essentially given its uh repossession orders because that's what it feels it feels like the bill has come due the bill has come due and the collectors are coming to town and they're here to repossess the assets and i've and, and this is something i've talked about uh to some degree in the past and that what we're actually seeing here is uh, a post-economy that is based and built on the um, forfeiture of the assets of the corporation of the United States without getting too granular. This is really what's taking place in a lot of ways, right? Whether it, it is valid or true or real, or whether it um, reflects um, some higher order that we as humans and representatives of God on earth are capable of, that's a whole different discussion. And so we're dealing with 
the, the ramifications of the bills coming due, right? And some of these things we have very little to do with. I mean, th- there are just forces that operate in ways that are just way above our pay grade and beyond our control. And and again, at the risk of sounding a broken record, back in the day when this whole thing with uh, first Afghanistan and then Iraq was happening with the Bush administration, I was I was adamantly against it. And that was a time when I would actually like write my congressman. And at that time, I was living in San Diego, and uh, my the representative for my district, I've talked about this before, was this guy, Randall Duke Cunningham, who was one of the few sort of heroes that came out of Vietnam, but eventually he, he suffered a, a, a brutal blow to his legacy because he was busted for taking all this uh, money from uh, military industrial contractors right and and so they all do but they decided that it was his time and his his wife was pissed at him so she cooperated but i remember reaching out to him look we have no business being here in this country just you know vote against this thing because they had to vote as an act of war it was like the last vote of an act of war and no matter what I said or did, it was not going to change that a hell of a lot, right? Although I'd like to think that his uh, dismissal of my of my emails somehow magically led to his demise, because not long thereafter he was caught up in a corruption scandal and summarily removed from his position as the uh, representative of my district. So anyway, um. A lot of these things are just, you know, they're 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 beyond our ability to do much at a certain level. You know, it, it, we're 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 swimming against the tide in some ways, but that doesn't mean that you can't have merit, you can't have meaning, you can't find purpose um, in this life right here and now. And in fact, more than ever, it's essential that you do. And uh, maybe we'll get into some of that. That's just my my thoughts at the at the top of the show here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, thing with Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney. And I came across some interesting in- information that I'm going to paraphrase and uh, not not quote a chapter and verse, but I'm going to paraphrase some of the information that uh, I came across and. And it has to do with the headline of today's show. And it's what happens when the social Marxists infiltrate the financial system. And that's exactly what we're seeing here, witnessing. And um, so I'm going to try to lay some of that out. The other thing that we're going to talk about today is the local press or as uh, our good friend Russ likes to call them, the Lugan Press, the local Lugan Press and their influence on a local population. And there was a story that I ran across in last week's uh, Fredericksburg Standard that I have right here. And I'm going to read you this story. 
not in totality, but I'm going to read you the story. I'm going to demonstrate to you how the local press works. And uh, was I talking with yesterday? I was talking to somebody yesterday. Oh, yeah, I was talking to John Levi. I had a great chat with John Levi. And we were talking about levels of awareness that uh, people had versus have. It, and I and I think the common default is that because we have the internet and we have so much information at our disposal that we're better informed than our uh, than our ancestors were, our immediate ancestors, and that may not really be the case. I think there's a, a very uh, strong possibility that our ancestors, we're going back into like the 30s, the 40s, and, and even the 50s, were better informed than we were. And, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll lay this out here a little bit. The reason why they were better informed than, than we are is because there was a proliferation of local newspapers. The amount of local newspapers during the 40s and the 50s was, you know, there was, there was quite a network there. And they weren't all owned by McClatchy, right? They weren't all owned by one giant conglomerate. So with local papers, you could disseminate points of view, whether they were uh, more conservative or more progressive. I guarantee you that back in the day that there was a, much more conservative tone to readerships. And so they would uh, actually in local newspapers, they would have editorials about communism or they would, they would, they would talk about certain things that would be uh, kind of antithetical or contrary to what was going on with the, with the government, right? Like Roosevelt was a lot of people don't understand this, but uh, Roosevelt was fairly despised amongst most of the people. And Roosevelt reveled in the fact that people thought he was a socialist. He loved it. He was an Aquarian, so he loved it. He loved playing that role. And he was not well-liked. And you could see this reflected in the points of view of lots of local newspapers. Now, not all of them were providing the contrarian voice at the time. Of course, there were uh, newspapers that were in lockstep with, you know, the Roosevelt regime. That's always going to happen. But there was a there was a greater dissemination of information and people that were looking to find common sense. Um, remedies to what they saw in the world. Not everybody had had their had their head in the sand and were just uh concerned with with making a buck, right? And getting ahead. Like there is a time in America where you know people worked and they had families, big families. It's not perfect, okay? This is I'm not trying to paint the, this version of America as being endemic. It had issues. But every single era of America has had issues. But they understood things in a way that, you know, as 
a society we don't. And these are people that were, you know, born during like the lost generation and they're pre-silent generation. But these are people that kind of understood, right? Like how tough things could be. They'd grown up during the depression and they were in many ways a lot smarter than we are now. We're, I think the amount of programming that has taken place and a lot of people think they're really fucking smart, but they're really not. And when you look at how the social Marxists operate, they, they, they operate within a framework and they get their thinking and their schematics generally in college. And they have critical theory as their uh, baseline calculus and thrown a little postmodernism and they put it all together and they're able to see the world through a very connected lens, connected in their way, right? It provides um, a blueprint, a worldview and a cosmology. It's a limited one, but it provides it nonetheless. And if you're very adept and open to embracing, you know, those systems, um, you can find theoretical talking points inside those systems that make you sound and feel really smart and really elite and understanding how these things work at a quote unquote systemic level. But once you get outside of that system, once you get outside of that uh, intellectual vocabulary, most people who are indoctrinated into that system are lost. They're lost. They can't talk about anything. They can't address anything. So we're going to kind of get into that today. And the money thing on the Bud Light side is a very interesting discussion. And there, I, I came across some details about things that I, I wasn't aware of. Uh, and that's one of the good things that we do have with the internet, that if you dig deep enough, you'll find it. You'll find some interesting tidbits of information that are astounding, especially in retrospect and how they're getting played out in real time. So we're going to, we're going to cover that today. And this little story here in the Fredericksburg standard says school safety. See that shooter lockdown drills are part of FISD's routine. FISD's Fredericksburg. Uh, I always forget what the I stands for. It's a school district. It's the Fredericksburg School District. Fredericksburg Independent School District. Oh, they're independent. Independent of what? Independent of, of uh, outside criticism or censure or just rational thought. If you're, if you got your kids in, in a local school and I know it's hard for some people, some people's kids don't want to be homeschooled. They don't. And maybe it's tough for a family to homeschool. And one parent might have a very different view of schooling. The other parent have another view. So it's not always the easiest thing. But if it can be integrated, it's probably a better thing. 
instead of having put up with the bullshit that I'm about to show you. All right, let's get into um, Chataria. Chataria. There's my man, Michael. Good morning. Back to you, DJ MC. Famlandia. I like that. Good morning, Steve. Mr. Thor at the door. Bagel and Schmierson. All right, all right. <laughs> That's funny. Time to make donuts. Uh, I mean, bagels. TJ, guten tag. What's going on, Thomas? Wendy says, the beautiful Wendy, I'm going to reach out to you today. Did somebody say bagels? I used to deliver bagels. I met the weirdest guy during my bagel delivery day. He used to work for the CDC. He used to drive a van for the CDC. He was the most paranoid motherfucker I ever met in my life. He was really weird. And one day, he was the manager of this bagel shop. He was nuts. Really nuts. You could just tell the guy was just, you know, wired tight. And he said to me, I used to work for the CDC. I used to drive their vans. You don't know what they have in those vans. You don't even see the vans. They're just white. If you knew what was in those vans, you, you would have a nervous breakdown, <laughs> I guess. You're the guy, right? And I don't think he was wrong. He was he was uh, carrying something that was haunting him. He was a terrible manager. Might have had to do with this paranoid state. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Sony SP Dipples checking in from Europa. Crossfire Cat. We're back. Hucklebuck411. What's up, Huck? There she is. Fantastic. CC Jones. Good to see. Not sure how long this platform will let me stay. I always get kicked off. Thing. I could not get Rumble to freaking work today. I couldn't get Rumble. Rumble is just like super inconsistent. You know, I mean, I probably should have just refreshed this. Let me see what happens. Yeah, Rumble Rumble was not working today. And I think uh, BoxCast has been a little wonky. There's been a little wonk with Bo BoxCast. So, um, but yeah, we try, to, we try to get the Rumble thing going. I'm, I'm going to probably see if I can incorporate Odyssey. It's really interesting. Um, there was a direct link on boxcast so boxcast allows me to stream if i wanted to i could stream on twitter i could stream on facebook which i might on facebook um but twitter has removed the plugin from boxcast side to stream through twitter so what's going on there i know exactly what's going on there Elon Musk is going to start his own streaming service. He's going to take on YouTube. So he does. He, it's like, no, nah, sorry. We're going to, we're going to dominate this space. No, our RTMP links specifically set up. You, know, you can set up an, an independent R, RMTP link, but you can't do it by the default, which was set up through Boxcast with Twitter. It's kind of like what they did in some ways with Substack. 
So you can see Twitter, which changed its name to, what is it, X, Planet X or, or Project X or whatever the fuck it is, um, that they're moving in, in, in another direction. They're starting to cut off some of the entry points into the Twitterverse because they're going to redefine and then define those entry points. They're going to provide the solutions to those supposed entry points. Twitter will become, this is what Elon Musk wants from Twitter. He wants Twitter to be able to rival YouTube. Um, he wants Twitter to be the one-stop shop for everything. He wants to essentially reinvent the internet through Twitter. That is Elon Musk's vision. That whatever you want, you can get through Twitter and it will be the X chat app or X something app. So it could be financial, it could be uh, streaming, you'll pay, you'll pay $8.99 a month, you'll be able to stream. And it will, it will definitely be a rival to YouTube. It'll definitely be a rival to YouTube. So anyway, just a little note from the BoxCast side of things. Harry Bowie's here. What's going on, Harriet? Good to see you. Oh, Mars, how many of us ever hear about this, except maybe in academia, after the so-called fall of communism, so-called communist East Europe. Yeah, even that's an interesting discussion. The social Marxists are the money game. See when the music dies down. Yeah, they are the money game. For sure. The music never dies down. How do you not like Alice Cooper? Alice Cooper's fucking underrated. He's underrated. Alice Cooper has a couple of songs that are full on yacht. Alice Cooper is on the yacht. And they're not being played by Sirius XM because he's Alice Cooper. But if I played that song for somebody and they, I didn't tell them it was Alice Cooper, and I would ask them, is this yacht? They'd nod their head, yes. He's a genius. Alice Cooper's a genius. Underappreciated. All right, who else do we have? Uh, Past Lives Matter. I like that. You guys are so clever. Past Lives Matter. Excellent. Yeah, no live on Rumble. Tried. Tried. Neo the Wise. Chattari, happy Martian day. Soul Traveler's here. Hi, Soul Traveler. Catherine Kramer, K2. What's happening? K2. User 13. We had a, uh, we had a user 13 sighting at our uh, little town square on Saturday. It was a fine, intimate affair. Hanging laundry. What's going on? Yeah, I tried. The, the whole rumble thing was not cooperative. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Da, 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 da. Anybody, anybody, Lisa W. Kabuki. What's going on, Bo? Feels like we're being taken for a ride. Absolutely. CEO of Anheuser-Busch was a CIA. The CIA works for corporations. They're interchangeable pieces. Um, and you're right. 
I saw a meme where they were taking stickers from a pharmacy that said insert rectally and we're putting them on cases of Bud Light. You know, it's really interesting. And I just, I just, I just thought about this. I don't know why I didn't think about this before. This is like the Boston fucking tea party. It is like the Boston tea party. How they just started, you know, dumping cases of tea leaves into the Boston Harbor. Of course, that was a bit of a scam. Just a, just a tiny bit of a scam. But that's where the revolution started, theoretically, right? The Boston Tea Party. No taxation without representation. We're going to hit them. We're going to hit them where it hurts. It's kind of like it, right? This is the, the Bud Light Pea Party. When I think of Bud Light, I think of pea. I think of, uh, of uh, beer that, that's just basically pea water. So this is the Bud Light Pea Party. This is a revolutionary moment. Takes us back to the founding fathers. Am I right? I might be right about this. I might be right about this. Apparently the losses around the, the product are tremendous, but I'm going to try to show you um, that there is a method to InBev, AmBev, and their madness. There is a method to their madness. And let me see if I can um, find my link here. Let's go with... Uh, I saw a show with uh, Alice Cooper and his wife giving relationship advice. You know, they're both Christians. You would know it, but they're both Christians. Uh, let's see what we got here. He's a very likable fellow. Let's see. Donald Trump Jr. supports Bud Light. The, the whole Don Trump Jr., Caitlyn Jenner, support for Bud Light and telling conservatives to lighten up. Bad moment, Don. Bad moment, Junior. Because they've been so generous to the Republican Party. Bad moment. Mega fans rage at Don Jr. for defending Bud Light. People are at bars buying Bud Lights for others. I guess that's an insult, right? Uh, pics of inventory, tr uh, canceled trans beer, posters. So Trump has thrown in their lot with the Bud Light agenda. Absolutely. Um, shocking redesign appears on in-store Bud Light cases. So they, <clears throat> they're in protection. They're in protection mode, but there's a, again, there's a reason why they went down this path. Let me see if I can find the original story. 
here's a little tidbit. Yeah, I've seen that one before. Let's see, um, go to, uh, let's do this. Give me one sec here. I appreciate your, appreciate your patience. You know what I need to do though, before I jump into the meat of today's program, I do have to talk about true hemp science. Of course I do. Unfortunately, I missed it on the Astro Weather, but True Hemp Science is a sponsor of the show. And I do avail myself of Chris's products on a consistent basis, including the tinctures and the gummies. So I got to give a shout out here. And I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to CBD, but I can, uh, with clear conscience, clear and peaceful conscience, tell you that this is the best CBD that I've ever experienced. I know there is some good CBD out there, but hands down, Trim Science is my favorite CBD because it's effective. Bottom line, end of story, it's effective. And the other part is that I've watched him grow his company. I was there from the beginning when he was sending me these, these plastic straws with the CBD and the terpenes in them. Right, I've watched him go from basically being a, a pop-up business to actually having a storefront to building an online uh, marketing and sales apparatus, which is uh, what I uh, participate in here. So I've seen the story. I've seen the product evolve and grow and get better and better and better over time. So if you're interested in CBD, go to truemscience.com. And if you order $100, or more, just type in 15MINS. That's 15MINS, and you'll get free product, which is always a big bonus. $150 or more, and you get free shipping. And when you purchase, you're getting high-quality CBD, and you're helping somebody keep a toehold in the American dream. So keep that in mind as well. All right. Got to get my love in there for THS. Let me do this. Um, let's see if I can find it this way, because this was really fascinating when I when I uh, stumbled into um, this story that um, that really really blew my mind. Once, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my my bad. Um, once I was able to uh, see this and how it how it connected the dots in a way that I was uh, not even aware of was uh, quite something. Let me see if I can just type this in here. See what happens. Uh, All right, let's go, let's go. Let's do this. All right, let me talk about let me talk about the uh, the financing and the money part of this game. 
So apparently, now this is this is what I was not aware of. Apparently, if you go back during the Obama administration, there were um, there was a lot of shuffling going on with banks. Even back then, there was a lot of shuffling going on, and one of the banks that was incredibly active during that period of time was Washington Mutual. And Washington Mutual uh, went belly up. How and why did they go belly up? Washington Mutual was in the business of acquiring other banks. And they were in the business of doing that because they wanted to be too big to fail. Now, one of the things that was happening during this time, so we're talking 2008, 2009, right? And a little bit post 2009 is that banks were being incentivized to make loans to uh, low-income, quote-unquote, ethnic uh, and, you know, under underserved parts of the community. They were being incentivized by the government. And Washington Mutual spent a shit ton of money making these loans. And the reason they were doing this is so that they could curry favor with the government when it came to them expanding their uh, profile and their footprint. Because when you, when you deal with acquiring other banks or you deal, let's talk about, and we'll bring this into the discussion with InBev and AmBev. When you deal with any type of major acquisition, you also have to deal with regulators. You have to deal with regulators. They are, they are the functionaries. They're the middlemen that are going to either red light or green light a deal. And Washington Mutual, by going one, two, three, four steps further than anybody else to prove that they were more than willing to work with the government's model of lending. And there was definitely a lending agenda during that time. And there still is. Look, look at Silicon Valley Bank. That they believe that by, by, by paying out to, the, to, to that portion of the, of the community, whether they believed in it or not, is a whole other story. What they were doing is that they were paying a blood libel so that when it came time to acquire, say, Great Western, that the regulators inside of the government would look at what good little boys and girls they've been 
and that they've been investing their money into the policies that the government is promoting. And this is what we're talking about here. This is this is how this whole idea of social Marxism and the, and the infiltration into the systems relates to Anheuser-Busch. And, you know, we talked about the whole ESG thing. We talked about BlackRock. We, we, talk, we, we went into this in pretty granular detail last week and tried to look at it from a number of different perspectives. Well, this is another perspective. And this is the government essentially favoring businesses that do business the way they want them to do business. Now, if you go back and you look at what was going on in uh, Bolshevik Russia, you had the Bolsheviks controlling the largest interests. The Bolsheviks were very smart. If you think, think about how they were able to essentially overthrow an entire country an entire country that's comprised of what nine time zones and they did it with not many people i mean the the bolsheviks were uh, a lean and mean operation but they had a huge amount of capital behind them in order to do certain things pay certain people they and essentially what they did is they took over kind of the larger engines of industry inside of Russia at that time. And they let the smaller uh, kind of mom and poppy stuff sort of operate at the fringe, right? But they were interested in getting into what we would call too big to fail. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. And it's what they're doing now. So the idea, and let's bring it back to the, the uh, Washington mutual model, the Washington mutual model, was was to pay out. They had all these loan programs that were set up to promote diversity. This goes this goes way back way back when. Okay, and they were more than happy to spend all this money and throw it at it. And really, and they went above and beyond it because when they started to acquire these banks, they wanted the government to not throw up any roadblocks. It's like, oh yeah, you know, rubber stamp it. You pass the test. You you get to acquire. It. Didn't help them at the end of the day. They went they went belly up. But this is one of the things that um, that InBev and Bev are also investing in. Right, they're doing the things that the government, this version of the government, wants them to do. And why is that? Well, it's because they want to acquire more businesses, right? They're in the business of acquisition. And their biggest competitor in the beer space in the U.S. is Molson Coors. So there's a number of like local breweries, smaller breweries um, that are still in the market. And of course... They're in competition. It's like who can outcompete one? You know, Molson Chorus has their 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 pride cans. By the way, when we hit June and Gemini month, we are going to be 
up to our third eye in pride. Okay. It's going to be, it's anyway, this is one of the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. There's plenty of other reasons. It, it's a, it's a, it's a um, broad spectrum of, of justification. Some of it gets into the whole ESG world, right? Which now with BlackRock being inserted into the government, which happened when Trump was in office in 2020, signed an executive order. It's like, Ew. I remember when he did that. I was like, really? Really? You're bringing BlackRock in to basically manage the affairs of the federal government? It's exactly what happened. They're still there. And Joe Biden, whoever's playing Joe Biden, hasn't revoked that one. So this is what Imbev uh, is doing. They're ingratiating themselves to the current administration. Because when it comes to you know, purchasing anything that's related to their operation, it could be a, a distributor, it could be uh, related to manufacturing, uh, it could be related to another, another company that uh, produces beer. They want as little resistance as possible. And they're in competition with Molson Coors. And when the government has regulation over who gets to do what, these two major beer manufacturers will bend over backwards in order to curry favor so that they're, they're the ones that look like they're the most representative corporation of the current administration and what they're looking for, right? This is the other side of the story. And so now you have clearly you have the social Marxists who have infiltrated the government and have for a long time, long time. You go back to Roosevelt, right? And, and then you have, it's all iterations, but firmly implanted now. They just haven't told us officially, right? So they, they set financial policy, whether it makes sense or not. And their financial policy is connected to cultural import, cultural interpretation, cultural penetration. Please don't blame me because I use that word in relationship to this, but it's true though, right? They want to penetrate the culture. They want to ass rape the culture. And as, as a result of that, these companies will, will do their bidding. That's, that they'll they'll do their bidding without fail because they're in competition with somebody else who will do who, it's like who who can perform the most egregious and obvious uh exposition of what the current administration wants to see that's what it comes down to they're looking after their business interest. And so they, they're playing ball. They're playing ball with the, uh, with the schoolyard bully, essentially. They're giving them their lunch money. But their lunch money isn't financial. 
their lunch money is their corporate identity. That's worth way more, way, way more to the current administration, which can print money endlessly if they wanted to. It's not, it's not about that. Right? They want to see this giant take a knee. Right? It's an act of submission. InBev, AmBev, Anheuser-Busch is participating in an act of submission. And in this role, the, the government or the, the, the functionary role, the government plays the dom. It's exactly what it's about. And then they get to humiliate the corporation. Remember, Washington Mutual went way out of its way, way out of its way to overinvest in these uh, government-sponsored programs, which gave them a higher, a higher credit rating. And all for the purchasing of all these regional banks so they think that they thought that they could play ball with the big boys and be too big to fail. And guess what? It didn't work. They imploded. They did everything that was theoretically asked of them and more. And they imploded. So there's no guarantee that even with uh, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, AmBev, if they do these things and they... Um, they out they outdo uh, Molson Coors with their version of fancy boots. That they're the ones that are going to succeed. There's there's no guarantee. the The only thing that they can do is that invest in the model, because the current administration is determining the rules and conditions upon whom they will grant the papal blessings to when it comes to regulations and you know buying other companies and all the things that go along with them amassing market share it's really insidious in a lot of ways and meanwhile they get to help destroy institutions which is what all of this is about and you know where is it going to lead maybe maybe anheuser busch you know, has to do some kind of a deal with Molson Coors as a result of this. And there can only be one. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a guy that is like totally wired to global economics. Although if I spend some time with it, I can follow some cookie, cookie crumbs and make some connections. You can see what's going on, right? So a lot of this is even beyond the ESG stuff. Although we know the ESG stuff will insulate them in a lot of ways. So that theoretically, if the if the money game changes, then they're in one to one, staked one to one. There's no there's no loss at all. So that's part of the insurance in that realm. But the other part of the insurance, or what I would call the blood libel, is doing everything in their power to appease the current administration so that the current administration allows them to do whatever they want or need when it comes to acquisition and or anything related to their business and the expansion of its business. So I just wanted to touch on that because the Washington mutual model is the kind of the, the litmus for how this thing works. And it didn't work out too well for them. 
All right. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and I want to read a story here. And I'm going to show you the power of the local Lugan press. By the way, I had this revelation yesterday. I had this revelation. I went to, I had to go to Kerrville uh, to get some uh, blood work done and cruise around and uh, do a few other things. And if you're not aware of Kerrville, Kerrville is a, a city that's probably about 25 miles to the south of Fredericksburg, where I live on the outskirts of. So I went to Kerrville and I drove around and and I realized that Kerrville is is actually a better place to live than Fredericksburg, even though Fredericksburg has this um, very very quaint charm about it it's a very quaint like main street fredericksburg looks like it's come out of the 1950s only with with massive upgrades right it's got that feel to it and then you have all these wineries which are just everywhere here wineries distilleries breweries people people i live down the street from this winery called fat ass and whenever we drive past it on the weekend, um, it is the most aptly named winery in the region. And, I, and, and we, drive, we drive past this wine. They have the shittiest wine. They have peach wine. But they have a funny moniker. And they have a funny brand. And they have live bands. And they have a food truck. And for whatever reason, people have gravitated to this winery. I, I could walk to it. It's a half a mile away. And, and we, when we drive past it, I, I look at who's parked outside and just waiting to get in. Or, and I'm like, Here, this is one of the reasons why we're in trouble. It's just like mind-blowing. And people, uh, people have just... You know, we're like in a version of Wall-E. People are, are just, have just taken off, right? They've, they've let themselves go to pot. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the challenges in the world are overwhelming and they just, you know, they just want their, you know, peach wine and their cigarettes and, um, you know, their, their, you know, retrospective jams. Although one time we were there, some, they had some hip hop DJ. It was kind of kind of weird. And I don't go there very often. I only went there one time to um, give them a piece of mail that had been delivered here erroneously. But this is what we deal with here in, the, in in this part of the country. And it's not bad. I mean, it could be could be a lot worse. It could be refineries or. You know, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to live somewhere, you, you may as well want to deal with, I guess, wineries, breweries, distilleries. But I just thought, I mean, 20 years ago, I would have been really into it. But that's not really where I am now. So I went to Kerrville yesterday, and they have this place called the Stretch Zone. And it's and I looked inside of it, and it was all these chair, the um, tables massage tables and what they do is they just really work on moving your body and stretching and pulling i'm like 
why don't we have that in Fredericksburg? Why, why don't we have that here? We don't have that here. And then I went to uh, a, an Anytime Fitness, which is a, a chain, which I belong to. And I went to the Kerrville version. It was fucking nice. It was nice. It was bigger. They had better equipment, more services. I'm like, why doesn't this one here in Fredericksburg have it? And then I began to just go through the things in my head. And it's like, this place is like a version of Epcot. It's like been created solely for people to have a, a weekend experience. Like Fredericksburg in some ways is like a temporary autonomous zone. And the idea that you can go back and experience America the way it used to be, but have a few wine stops along the way. So um, it was really an eye opener. It's like, this is not a real community. However, they like to treat it like it is. And this is the local liberal rag. And let me read you this a little bit. So I got a few minutes in the show. If you don't mind, indulge me. Shooter lockdown drills are part of FISD's routine. Parents, students, teachers on edge, even in false alarm. See what they're doing here? They're creating a strategy of tension. Local liberal fucking rag. 24 hours after the shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, which ended the lives of three children and three adults, 33, if you're keeping score at home. Students at all Fredericksburg Independent School District campuses were placed on two separate lockdowns related to reports of a man who is carrying a weapon near Fredericksburg Elementary School. Let's think about this. They just had this so-called event in Nashville. I'd be interested in how many other schools had lockdowns after this event. So, of course, you know, these kids are having some degree of discussion about it. We're talking middle school kids, right? They're not, they're on the internet. Theoretically, they're, they're talking to their parents. This is in the air. It's in the air. And then all of a sudden, they get to recreate the trauma at a local level. Let me go further here. On Tuesday, March 28th, after investigating a report of an individual with a firearm in the backyard of a residence on Edgewood Drive. By the way, this place is loaded with guns. And if you have a firearm in your backyard, that's not the first time it fucking happened in this area. The Fredericksburg Police Department found the information to be false. So even if that were true, it's not uncommon. But then they found that to be false. And all FISD campuses returned to a regular schedule. So they put these kids on a lockdown based on an erroneous rumor. Here's where they do the real reporting. The Fredericksburg Standard Radio Post spoke with some residents including FISD teachers and parents about the incident and informally surveyed community members. Names have been changed and identifying specifics have been left out of account to protect the privacy of the individuals. So how the fuck do we even know that it's real? 
Right. Of course, now they're really into the protection, the privacy of the individual. And there are other cases where clearly they're more than more than willing and more than uh, uh, not welcome, more than willing to, you know, out somebody that they think they need that needs. But in this case, we're dealing with a protective class. All right, let me keep going here. First lockdown. At 11.50 a.m. Tuesday, March 28, six students and a teacher in a Fredericksburg Middle School classroom who were working on homework through the lunch period stopped poring over books. <laughs> I, I love the image. We have all these books here. And, and, and we're just pouring over the books and we're, we're absorbing all this classical knowledge and education. They probably fucking put their iPads down. Stop pouring over books. And eating to listen to an announcement over the intercom about an attendance lockdown due to a situation off campus. Okay. So you see the, the, the article there? It's one column. And what happens? Well, I'll show you what happens. It metastasizes into a fucking full-page article. Look at this. Look at this. Now, just think about that. That's a huge investment in ad space, right? They could have used part of this for an ad. or And there's plenty of ads to... to uh, go around here in uh, hill country, wine country, wino country. But they chose to devote it to this very important piece of propaganda. The teacher and students went into lockdown mode. The teacher locked doors while students helped her close curtains in the classroom. The situation was happening across all FISD campuses. According to an FISD press release, an attendance lockdown means that students and staff remain in their classroom and learning activities continue. Does that make any fucking sense? Here you might have a killer on campus. Oh, but we're going to learn. That's a real conducive fucking learning environment. Kids are thinking, uh, am I going to be a headline in a bad way? Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I do represent a form of colonialism, don't I? Yeah, I am, I am downstream from all of that evil that has, was beset upon this land. According to an FISD press release, an attendance lockdown, okay, teachers and staff practice these lockdown emergency drills district-wide, as well as on each campus and in each classroom. So this is like the version of when I grew up, and we had to hide under our fucking desks. Now, in California, um, we did it because of earthquakes. We had earthquake drills in California. But there were also the air raid drills, right? And those were the, the, the things that the baby boomers participated in. They always seemed to find some kind of 
device or mechanism to traumatize your kid while they're at school. This is just the latest. By the way, I've lived through a couple of earthquakes that I didn't have to hide under a desk. Uh, let's see. In attendance, lockdown, Jane Doe, a Fredericksburg middle school teacher, said, we continue teaching. Students can continue talking and eating. Okay. We're going to normalize this. It just means there might be a gas leak a mile away or two miles away or other types of danger off campus. They don't want people leaving the classroom and going outside. In this case, it was a couple miles away at the elementary school. For the next hour and a half, students at the middle school and in all FISD schools, including the high school, went about their normal routine under lockdown conditions. We're not allowed to let anyone leave the room. That way we can keep track of them. And that way we know that they're staying in the room and that they are safe, Doe said. During this time, Doe was receiving information from her principal from an application on her phone about the possibility of a sighting of a man with a gun near the FES campus. They got an app on their phone. They, they have a, uh, a terror app, I guess, on their phone. Like there's a company that makes a fucking app for this. And that the school system probably pays money to in order to have that app active. Right? So there's an app that each, each teacher is armed with this app on their phone. Convenience. She was asked not to tell students. Okay, so here you're on a lockdown. It's not business as usual. You lock the fucking door. You pull the curtains. Kids know they're on a lockdown, but she can't tell the students. What do you think that sets up with the kids moving forward in their life? Absolute obedience and trust you know where we are we're in the skinner box here this is the skinner box and we've looked at stuff like the stanford prison experiment milgram things that are social experiments and programs blatant ones especially the stanford prison experiment it's going on right here, right here in your local area. If your kids are in a public school, they are in the Skinner box and they are being programmed to be obedient and obey. It is through the use of trauma. And they're getting as much mileage out of the trauma as possible. Let me continue here. They didn't want to heighten students' anxiety or scare them because they were not certain claim but you're gonna fucking do it anyway i was a little nervous as a parent doe said because she has a child at the elementary school but i also knew that i had a classroom with kids in it and that's kind of what kept me distracted interesting choice of words distracted maybe focused might have been a better word to use 
sometimes language tells more than it uh, lets on. After the law enforcement found no threats, FISD communicated at 1.20 p.m. The attendance lockdown was lifted. Doe released the students from her classroom. As students started to file into her room for the start of the sixth period, the district called for a second lockdown. Not one, but two in one day. It was two for day at FISD. If you weren't traumatized enough by the first one, that was the tenderizer. Remember accent? You put a little accent, which was nothing but MSG. That was the uh, MSG accent moment. Tenderizing, right? But then they threw the meat on the grill with the second one. Let's see, here we go. Um, Doe released the students from her classroom. A student started to file into her room for the start of the sixth period. The district called a second lockdown after law enforcement was again notified of a man with a weapon near Fredericksburg United Methodist Church, according to official reports. They came on the intercom and said, we're going into full lockdown. Now, keep in mind, the Methodist Church is nowhere near the high school. This is not even, so you have somebody maybe having a, a, a gun in their backyard. You have theoretically somebody who might have a weapon down by the Methodist church. And so you're just going to go into lockdown mode with your school because eventually they're going to find their way to your school. They came on the intercom and said, we were going to full lockdown. That's when I, that's when the nervousness set in. I saw the fear in the students' eyes. Because they knew it wasn't a drill. They knew we had already been in an attendance lockdown. This is a fucking social experiment. This is the Skinner box. And they're perpetrating it on these kids in these schools. That's exactly what's happening. With the curtains in her classroom already drawn, the teacher ran to her computer and projector to turn them off. When she turned around, she saw a student tightening the ratchet lock that she had attached to the doorknob of the double door entry into her classroom. So apparently they got these ratchet locks so that you can't get in these classrooms now. So it was all hands on deck, and that student went right to that ratchet lock. I helped him finish ratcheting it, then went around the room to make sure everybody was okay, the teacher said. I kind of crawled around the room because I didn't want to be seen, even though my windows were covered. You know what that's like? It's like wearing a fucking mask. I'm going to wear a mask even though COVID is over. The, the, there's curtains, right? Her, her classroom is wearing a mask. And she's kind of crawling around. Because maybe, just maybe, that evil perp might see something moving. Or maybe they've got some kind of special X-ray or uh, infrared vision that allows them to peer through curtains that have been closed to see that there's a life form moving around there. 
Can you believe this shit? I'll keep reading. I kind of crawled around the room because I didn't want to be seen even though my windows were covered. I didn't want a shadow seen. There was somebody on campus. I made sure everybody was okay. I didn't want anyone majorly upset. You fucking kidding me? You're crawling around your classroom. You don't want anyone to be majorly upset. Oh, that's going to work real well. I wanted them to know that, here's the kicker, I was there for them. Okay. She said students landed in their spots. Some students held scissors. Imagine this. You're in a classroom, right? You're a kid. You got a pair of scissors in your hand, and you're ready to stab the fuck out of anybody who walks through that ratcheted, bolted door. Is this normal? This is insane. They are promoting insanity. It gets better. Some students held scissors. They grab what they want. They go where they feel comfortable. Doe said, some are under my desk. Some are behind a counter, but they're all out of sight if someone were to try to get into the door. Could you imagine being in that fucking classroom? Being a kid in that classroom. Could you imagine being a parent of that kid? If you're a parent of one of those kids, you'd be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. Just being honest here. If the door is pulled outward, so if an intruder was able to unlock them, like the incident in Nashville, boy, this, per this teacher is very informed, where they got through the lock and they blew through the door, the ratchet set will hold them, Doe said, because students had pushed the bookshelves in front of the door. Okay, now you got kids pushing fucking bookshelves in front of the door. Just put yourself in that moment. Curtains closed. Teacher kind of crawling around. Kids with scissors in their hands. Pushing bookshelves again against the door. This is the environment that people have consented to put their children in. And I, I call it abuse. I call it abuse. This is psychological abuse. And yet the local rag is doing their best to portray Jane Doe as a fucking hero. Oh, there's more to this too. I haven't even gotten to the best part. Let me continue reading. The doors pull outward. So if an intruder was able to unlock them, like the incident in Nashville, where they got through the lock and they blew through the door, the ratchet set will hold them shut. Doe said because students had pushed bookshelves in front of the door, there was at least a barricade if the door happened to open. At this point, adrenaline is just taking over. And I didn't even think of my son at the elementary school because I had kiddos in my room, she said. Sixth graders 
who were in the FMS cafeteria had administrators with them. Anna Smith, a mother of two uh, third and sixth graders, said her middle school child felt exposed in the cafeteria. Her middle school child told her, we went to hide uh, where we could. We've done drills in our classrooms, but we've never drilled during lunch. We knew that in the cafeteria, we were supposed to go into the kitchen, but we couldn't get into the kitchen, so we went behind the curtain. Smith said, I do know that the principal and vice principal were all there with them, making sure protocols and processes were being followed. And they were, uh, they were, they were, they were where they were supposed to be and safe. I feel like the schools have done a nice job of building trust in relationships with the parents. So I didn't have to have a ton of apprehension because I felt like they're looking out for our kids and caring for them. I know this wasn't everyone's experience, but it was mine. Meanwhile, in the class at the middle school, after checking on her students, Doe grabbed a metal bar in her classroom to use as a weapon. <laughs> okay, this just gets fucking weirder now. Now she's got a metal bar, right? She's got a metal bar and she's Conan. She's now Conan the Barbarian. Or I guess um, she's Red Sonia. The 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 uh, violent, potentially violent protector of her kiddos. I know this may seem weird, but I have metal bars in my class that we can use as weapons. Sorry. I'm not making this shit up. We could use as weapons that the kids know they don't touch unless it's an emergency. Doe said another boy stood in a crouch near me and took the bar from me, then crouched to the door. Two boys were in front of the double doors and were ready in case somebody came near either door. They made sure that they were the closest to the door. Then it was me, the teacher said. Right then and there, my heart just like broke. I thought, no, I'm here to protect you. I looked at both of them, and they just waved me away. I mean, they're eighth-grade boys, you know, somebody's babies, and they were ready to protect us. You know, I'm going to give the boys some credit here. They did the right fucking thing. They did the right thing. They took the metal bars, and they were ready to put some whoop-ass on some tranny shooter that somehow managed to blow past the uh, double-bolted, ratcheted, super-security, outwardly-facing door. They were ready to crack some skulls with the metal bars that the teacher keeps around just in case they need to use them. It's not a bad... Okay, I'd rather them, at, at the very least, try to do that versus go run under her skirt. But it's insane. Like, this is fucking insane. And for something that didn't even happen, you can't make this shit up. She's got her metal bar. But then two boys are there, right at the door, just ready. You got this? Yeah, I got this, man. I got this, man. It's fucking crazy. 15 minutes later, after law enforcement identified that a community member 
walked into the Methodist church and provided false information based on hearsay, whatever, the, whatever that means. All campuses returned to a regular schedule at 1.35 p.m., according to FISD reports. So here's the weird part. Now they just got to go back to business as usual. That's over. Let's go back to class. About time for PE. You know what that is? That's insane. That's insane. That's the normalization of trauma. Ridiculous. At FMS, the principal came on the intercom and let everyone know that everyone was safe at every school in the district. But there were still stories on social media that were false. Things were spreading like wildfire to the point where at the end of the day, there were kids coming into my ninth period saying, we heard the elementary school got shot up. This is from people posting things. So we talked about the game of telephone. And I explained, unless you hear it from someone who was actually there, let's not spread false information. The whole thing was based on false information. Yeah. Teacher was not playing telephone. Or teacher was playing telephone, not, not playing face-to-face uh, -face information confirmation. Smith said picking up her children at school that day was emotional. It's all based on a fucking illusion. It's all based on an illusion. I went to the elementary school first and picked up my little one, and they were so brave. They ran straight to me. Actually, being brave would be to walk, strut. I'm going to strut to mama's car. I got no fucking fear in the world. Nobody's going to take a pot shot at me. Come on, motherfuckers. This is my bravery on display. No, bravery is, I guess, sprinting to mom's car. They were so brave. I'll tell you, that was a really hard pickup. Thankfully, I was prepared to have the conversation because of the emails and texts from the school. My nine-year-old said they knew it wasn't a drill. They said, because they've taught us that we will never have a drill during the lunch, breakfast, or recess. And this happened during lunch. Then they told me I wasn't with my regular class. I was leaving the restroom, walking back to my temporary class, who we went to full lockdown. And the teacher grabbed me by the wrist and pulled me into a classroom to make sure that I was safe. I ended up with a classroom full of fourth graders and I didn't know who they were. Smith said, and about a third grader, about her third grader, I've not actually ever talked to this teacher and I can't wait to meet her in person because I want to thank her because she was just right on it. She made sure that the kids were in the hallway were safe. Notice that the teachers are women and that they are the de facto front line to any terror threat inside of the public schools. In a poll conducted in Fredericksburg on social media, the day after the lockdown about gun violence, 91% of the people surveyed said they were worried about gun violence in America. Okay, so let's just flesh that out. One day after they have this drill, 
and I'm sure the Fredericksburg Standard ran the poll, 91% were concerned about gun. Of course, they're going to be concerned. They just had a fucking drill. Now they're going to use this, and they're going to politicize the story based on a fake event, which was socially engineered to traumatize these children. And now they're going to come in with the agenda. Okay. When asked if they felt safe from gun violence in Fredericksburg, 70% answered no. Do you know why? Because most of the conservatives in this town don't have a fucking app that are going to chime in on their little, little poll. Okay. There have been times I have felt fearful, the respondent wrote. On New Year's Eve, my neighbor decided to shoot off his AR-15. It was 30 minutes of terror. You should live in Oakland on New Year's Eve, which I did. You, you, want, you want to talk about... Uh, I'm going to put some more time in here. I'm put some more time in the meter. Hold on. Um, where are we? Uh, oh, this we got. Uh, where's my thirty-minute button? I gotta find my thirty-minute button. Here we go. I'm gonna add thirty minutes. Put more money in the meter. Yeah, I lived in Oakland. Every New Year's Eve wasn't just one or fifteen. It was like uh, a symphony of uh, gunfire. It was 30 minutes of terror. I live in the country, and in hindsight, I should have called the sheriff to have it on the record. I worried about my livestock, where the bullets might land, et cetera. It sounded like he was right outside my house. 60% of Fredericksburg's residents said they thought, said they have thought about moving to another state. Because of the gun violence. Where has there been any fucking gun violence in this town? I've been here since 2018. Five years, half a decade. I've never experienced any gun violence. What gun violence? You mean the imaginary gun violence that they foisted upon these kids in this classroom? You mean that gun violence? Oh, no. They're talking about Uvalde which isn't even remotely close to Fredericksburg. It's not even close. You mean that gun violence? Well, if 60% have thought about leaving, I'll, I'll give you the number of beacons. We can facilitate that for you. While 55% said gun violence has changed the way they live their lives. I don't trust the people in the grocery store, at wineries, restaurants, or visiting my business, wrote one respondent who explained how their life has changed due to gun violence. I feel on edge when I'm anywhere in town. This is the safest fucking town you'll ever encounter. There are more cops, more sheriffs in this town per person than just about any other place you'll travel to in America. Just saying. Another stated, I am much more wary of outdoor and public spaces. 
I fear for my own life while going to college and am constantly terrified. My younger siblings will share the same tragedy as wait for it that struck Uvalde. One respondent wrote, being in places where guns are not allowed makes me nervous now due to the fact that this is where most people who want to harm others feel empowered and know they're less likely to have someone to defend themselves against them, such as a school setting. Somebody with a little bit of common sense, they let that sneak in there. For the parents of students and teachers and staff at FISD, the threat is always there. I feel like our teachers are placed in sometimes impossible situations, and they do incredible things, says Smith, an FISD parent. I didn't find myself overly upset or angry or feeling anything other than this is a really hard situation our society has found itself in. And I feel like the people who are charged with caring for my kids did a really good job of making sure they were safe and that I was informed. Some parents wondered if we are asking too much of public school educators. Honestly, there have been times I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't teach anymore. I can't do this, but I love it so much, said middle school teacher Doe. I love the kids. I wouldn't quit because of that. But it's in the back of my mind because it doesn't matter where I am. If I'm in Texas, if I'm in Tennessee, if I'm in New York, if I'm in wherever, I mean, it can happen anywhere. And that, my friends, is the last. That is the last sentence of this story which landed right on the front page of the Fredericksburg Standard and metastasized into this. So ultimately, what were they doing here? They were using this event and the public sentiment and fear to promote an agenda, which is clearly and blatantly anti-Second Amendment. This is what this is about. And they want to promote this idea that America is unsafe, that we live in psychotic spaces, and that no one, no one is immune to the potential threat and danger that is existentially infiltrating every single nook and cranny of our society. But the story about the kids in the school is fucking nuts. It's absolutely nuts. The kids with the crowbars or the bars waiting by the door. You can't make this shit up. If I'm a parent, if I was a parent, it's a good thing I'm not a parent anymore. And at least in that regard, I'd be losing my shit. I was already one of those parents for a while. I was definitely one of those parents for a while. I was the pain in the ass parent. Um, but I'd lose my shit, you know. I'd be Mr. In fact, I'd, I'd probably pull my kid out of school. That's the only sane and sensible thing to do. Or else you're putting them in the Skinner box. And this is one of the most privileged, safest fucking towns 
you'll find in Texas, which means it's one of the most privileged and safe towns you'll find in the United States, which means that one of the most privileged and safe towns in the entire planet. And they're turning their classrooms into Skinner boxes fueled with terror. And you think they're the only classroom in this country that's doing that or the only school district? Hell to the no. It's everywhere. Socially engineering our children, which has been going on for a while. Remember the air raid sirens? The earthquake drills? There you go. That's how you tenderize the populace. That is the psychological MSG that's used so that you can essentially bend these people to your will in order to make them feel safe. A little local flavor. All right, so in retrospect, going back over today's show, what did we find? We found that there is an economic reason why InBev and AMBA, beyond the ESG stuff, the economic reason is that they want to curry favor with the government regulators. And they're in a competition to basically outwoke Molson Coors or anybody else so that when they go through the process of swallowing up the smaller fish or whatever is connected to um, their operation, that they're going to have less resistance and just more rubber stamping, more rubber stamping, rubber stamp, rubber stamp, rubber stamp. That's what Silicon Valley Bank was doing. They were Washington Mutual on steroids, but that's a different different story for another day. All right. Um, thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. And we may have, we may have the uh, prank caller show up. We may have the prank caller show up tomorrow. Little tease. We might uh, we might get on the line here and do a little uh, a little creative poking of the bear. All right, use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to set what's possible. I am Robert Phoenix, and remember, make sure your kids are really safe. Send them to school with a telescopic uh, club, right? They have telescopic clubs. That, that, should be, that should be in their backpacks. Make sure they're safe. And they're trained in the art of club defense, just in case. All right, take good care. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.